Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is living with families. I was 46 years old before I finally admitted to myself and someone else that my grandfather always managed to make me feel guilty, angry, and controlled. Um, wow, 46 years old. You know, and I can, I can certainly relate, and I can certainly... Now, I mean, a, a lot of stuff seems to make sense to me. The don't talk, don't trust, don't feel thing that is like, you know, mentioned often in the uh, ACA program. And, uh, you know, I'm just like just now reading books like uh, Language of Emotions and just realizing that, you know, while I knew that stuff was there, I a, didn't think there was any time or usefulness. Um, you know, and I remember I was in an ADHD group coaching class and uh what uh the uh the instructor there was just like you know i think sometimes you don't have you don't collect the facts of the situation and or think that that's optional where that might be the story and again like i think it's explainable it's not anything that i need to beat up myself for it didn't have time to collect facts um you know growing up back to the reading we may love and care about our family very much family members may love and care about us but interacting with some members may be a real trigger to our codependency, sometimes to a deep abyss of shame, rage, anger, guilt, and helplessness. You know, helplessness. And this reminds me that, like, you know, just wanting a different outcome doesn't make it so. And I think sometimes, a lot of times, my expectations uh, towards, you know, certain family members are higher, you know, or lower, depending on the mood. And... Um, you know, just wanting it is not going to make that much of a difference. Back to the reading. It can be difficult to achieve detachment on or an emotional level with certain family members. It can be difficult to separate their issues from ours. It can be difficult to own our power. Difficult, but not impossible. And I would say the task is made a lot easier in getting support with people. I think one of the central things that 12-step issues have, have taught me is if I want to get better at anything... Um, is to find people who have gone through what I've gone through and, you know, you know, prospered, for lack of a better word. Anyways, back to the reading. The first step is awareness and acceptance, step one. Simple acknowledgement, without guilt, of our feelings and thoughts. We do not have to blame our family members. We do not have to blame or shame ourselves. Acceptance is the goal. Acceptance and freedom to choose what we want and need to do to take care of ourselves with that person. We can become free of the patterns of the past. We are recovering. Progress is the goal. Today, higher power, help me be patient with myself as I learn how to apply recovery behaviors with family members. Help me strive today for awareness and acceptance. And I like that part of like, we don't have to blame ourselves or other people. We can keep people accountable. But blame, you know, as they say, if you, uh, what is it? If you, if you blame, you remain. If you praise, you are raised. Back to the on to the next reading, which is also for Melody Beatty's language of letting go. And the topic is taking care of ourselves. It's really funny because I was just commenting on this subject with someone else. I just thought like self-care was for people who had time or a luxury uh, or wanting it made me soft. And, uh, you know, it's it drastically changes the complexion of my day. Anyways, back to the reading. We cannot simultaneously set a boundary and take care of another person's feelings. It's impossible. The two acts contradict. What a tremendous asset to have compassion for others. How difficult that same quality can make it to set boundaries. 
It's good to take care about other people and feelings. It's essential to take care of about ourselves too. Sometimes to take good care of ourselves, we need to make a choice. Some of us live with a deeply ingrained message from our family or from church about never hurting other people's feelings. Yeah, I see a lot of spiritual bypass going on, not only in like the religion thing, but all this self-help crap on YouTube and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, one thing I'm slowly learning is just to treat emotions and feelings and things like that as a sign, not necessarily something to always be acted on, but not something to be suppressed either. I mean, the habit, you know, was a habit that was like formed in childhood. Back to the reading. Sometimes, some of us live with a deeply ingrained message from our family or from church about never hurting other people's feelings. We can replace that message with a new one. One that says, it's not okay to hurt ourselves. Sometimes when we take care of ourselves, others will react with hurt feelings. That's okay. We will learn, grow, and benefit by the experience. They will too. The most powerful and positive impact we can have on other people is accomplished by taking responsibility for ourselves and allow others to be responsible for themselves. Caring works. Caretaking doesn't. We can learn to walk the line between the two. Like the difference between caring and caretaking, at least for me, is more of, am I caretaking to get away from my problems? Or am I actually helping caring for someone? Today, I will set the limits I need to set. I will let go of my need to take care of other people's feelings and instead take care of my own. I will give myself permission to take care of myself, knowing it's the best thing I can do for others and myself. And the next reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is personal prayer. We move out of the victim role and claim our personal power by taking this path. We let parasites into our lives, trusting those we shouldn't have. Yeah, there was a guy, Steve, I remember, uh, just like one of those scam con artists when I was 16. And, uh, you know, uh, somehow... I haven't thought about him for a while, but this reading makes me think about parasites. Because since, since I've been in recovery, there hasn't actually been a lot of parasites who've come into my life. Back to the reading. We ended up a victim over and over again. We were exhausted of our vital resources, financially and emotionally, and had no idea why. Spiritually, we were bankrupt. Our heads throbbed as we raged at those who couldn't hear us or who swore they wouldn't do it again. In ACA, we got off the treadmill. We hadn't noticed we were on. Oh my goodness, so good. You know, that treadmill of adrenaline, dysfunctional excitement, not, you know, positive excitement. Back to reading. With the help of our sponsor or fellow traveler, we did our fourth step and saw that our lives were insane, that we had swallowed poison and not known it. We now felt heard for the first time. We became ready to go to any lengths to protect and nurture our inner children. I got to repeat that again. We became ready to go to any lengths to protect and nurture our inner children. We became ready to go to any lengths to protect and nurture our inner children. Leaving no stone unturned, we rooted out the problem. We couldn't remember all that happened to us because we had to forget so we could survive. But recovery becomes a safe place for the memories to begin resurfacing. We stopped going to the inner drugstore for a dose of fear. I never understood that concept of the inner drugstore. And I'm really understanding that these, this is also a physiological, physical compulsion. You know, an inter- internal drugstore is that mixture of like, you know, I don't know. It could be anxiety, madness, depression, or whatever. And people, I just remember someone saying, but, you know, it can also be the happy, joyous, and free. And I think that kind of ke- chemical internal drugstore feels different, you know. Back to the reading. 
We couldn't remember, uh, leaving Noah and Stern, we rooted out the problem. And that's taken a lot of writing and a lot of sharing uh, vulnerably. We couldn't remember all that happened to us because we had to forget so we could survive. But recovery becomes a safe place for the memories to begin resurfacing. We stopped going into the inner drugstore for a dose of fear. We release the trauma in our bodies and walk away different people, confident and alive. And, uh, you know, I think that's why the next stage for me is definitely going to be some sort of somatic experiencing, um, you know, in that part of the recovery. Uh, back to the reading. On this day, I will choose to go to the, di- uh, the distance and deal in a healthy way with whatever comes up for me emotionally and physically. If I can't do this alone, I will get appropriate help. And the final reading from, comes from, also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is freedom. We seek the power we need to live in freedom each day. As we listen to story after story of neglect in meetings, we may get angry for those around us. Then, if we listen closely, we hear the voice inside that says, what about me? Yeah, I think that's something that I've realized is a lot of times, particularly with the people I really care about, a lot of the things that I, you know, compassionate say to them or the things that I observe in them, the, the, the qualities and the potential, you know, if you spot it, you got it. It, all, it works with, uh, you know, maladaptive coping mechanisms, but it also, I think it also works with, you know, the good parts of us. Well, good is a loaded word. Let's just say the parts that um, are positive. All right, <laughs> whatever. Uh, back, to, back to reading. Then if we listen closely, we hear the voice inside that says, what about me? We start to pay attention and create space with our words and actions to let that voice finally say what it needs to, what was denied for so long. The process extends into our step work and then into our very lives at work and in play. Perhaps for the first time, we begin to feel free. We start to play and learn what that means for us. Yeah, that's happening. And I really think that Julia Cameron in the artist way has been a vital part of, you know, I think there's things, there's programs that I do to become an adult and then there's programs that I do to have fun and play in my lives. And a lot of that comes with experimentation, including dating, I think, at times. Back to the reading. We start to pay attention, create space with her words and actions to let that voice finally say what it needs to. What was denied for so long? That would be the inner child and the non-dominant handwriting, which I guess I want to be accountable to whoever listens to this. That's something that I would like to do a little bit more um, as part of my recovery. The process extends into our, I'm sure my inner child gets tired of hearing that. Uh, The process extends into our step work and then into our very lives at work and in play. Perhaps for the first time we begin to feel free. We start to play and learn what that means for us. We learn to slow down because being overscheduled is acting out against our true selves. Whoa. Wow. Uh, We see that when we have too much to do, it's harder to get in touch with how we feel. This is no longer okay. We take the actions we need to for our inner child the same way we would for another child placed in our care. In this way, we cultivate an inner loving parent and free ourselves. We're no longer waiting for our tormentors to wake up and stop abusing us. The conversation is over. We now know how to nurture ourselves. On this day, I will do something playful and fun. I will feel the freedom that my inner child deserves to experience. And that concludes today's readings of Recovering Minor Child. I just appreciate everyone listening. Until next time, this is Kwan Saluja reminding myself to pause because that's where God is, to love myself, to feel my feelings, and to be still and know.